139. Agile. Starvo walked with confidence, following the packed earth trail that ran along the edge of the crack. He was purposely dressed for combat for the first time in longer than he cared to remember. His armor was made of imwheel leather, the material far tougher than cowhide, but no less supple. The townsfolk were still busy tanning the hides of the monster's ascension had provided them, but it was too soon for his armor to have come from one of those. It must have come from an immuel they'd killed prior to Ascension's arrival. In the end, it didn't really matter. It wasn't enchanted, but it was a definite step up from the gambeson he'd been using. Wearing that thing had made him feel like a padded target dummy. He grinned, accelerating to a light jog. Perhaps it was all the exercise he'd been getting, but he hadn't felt this good since he was a man twenty years younger. The familiar weight of the falchion tugged at his hip with each step. That was enchanted, though only with durability. The sword was almost as old as he was. Jameis looked up at his approach, straightening from where he'd been leaning against one of the wooden lift anchors. Hey now, what's this I see? He said, smiling. Could it be that there's a spring in your step? Starvo laughed, coming to a halt. He shifted to one leg, then began to hop, bouncing on the curved piece of force steel that had replaced his wooden prosthetic. Whatever would you be referring to, Jemus? His new foot wasn't enchanted, but Tallheart had somehow forged the metal to be springier than any leaf spring, while remaining strong enough to easily bear his weight. It was also significantly lighter than his old foot had been, as it hadn't been shaped to resemble a real one or to fit inside a boot. It was a prosthetic meant for motion, not vanity. Jameis snorted, watching him. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, but if you bounce yourself off the edge, it's your own fault. Ha! Starvo said, landing on both feet. He stumbled slightly, but quickly recovered. I feel like I can move again, Jameis. It might not be pretty, but damn if it doesn't let me hop about like a lago in rot. I'm thinking I should just hack the other foot off to even myself out. Hmm, Jameis said, clearly sceptical. I hope you thanked Tallheart for making it for you. Of course I did, Starvo snapped. I was a jerk. He was a jerk. Everybody was a jerk. We're better now. Water down the river. If you say so, Jameis said, gesturing to the lift. Now come on. They're waiting for us down below. Climbing onto the wooden lift platform, Starvo moved to help Jameis with the ropes. The two awakened, making quick work of lowering themselves to the chasm floor. In the past week, this section of the crack had been fortified, much as the camp above. A tall earthen wall divided it from the rest of the chasm, and the lift descended into the sheltered area. The wall was staffed with defenders only on days when missions were planned in the crack, as was the case here. The remainder of their team was watching them from atop it, 
along with a handful of unawakened archers that would be remaining here to guard the lift. To reach them, Starvo and Jameis would have to thread their way through a sizable herd of crystal slimes, which were presently clogging up the chasm floor. Been meaning to ask, Jameis, Starvo said as they walked through the passive creatures. Are these for what I think they are? The slimes? Jameis asked, raising an eyebrow. Starvo nodded. I'll mispurify, sure enough. But I'd rather be damned to the waste than take a bath in a slime. Jameis scoffed. I don't know about that. I'm sure Lix has worse tortures in his hell. You do have a point, though. Thinking of them eating the contents of chamber pots is bad enough. He tapped his chin. I do wonder, though, would they enjoy living in them? They do like tight spaces, after all. Could you make a... He grinned. Bottomless commode? Starvo groaned. A pun? Really? Nice one, Jameis! Carten yelled, grinning down at them from atop the wall, like the enormous bearded child that he was. I, for one, am glad that Amelia has been converting all of these, Jameis said to Starvo, as he waved at Carten in greeting. I have grown used to the cleanliness of the camp, he clicked his tongue, coming to a stop. Their way was blocked by a lone, greater crystal slime, sitting on the bottom of the stairs. I do wish they were a bit smarter, though. Come on, move, you thoughtless blob. Mm, Starvo agreed, only half listening. The sanitation problem was an engineering puzzle, to be sure. If we had access to a river, we could build the facilities Rain described. Running water, toilets, showers. We could even heat the water with the smelter. He shook his head as Jameis pushed at the slime, his hands sinking into it like it was an enormous pillow. Bah, I've been wiping my own ass for over seventy years. I'll survive. Jameis sighed, straightening and planting his hands on his hips. It's ignoring me, he snorted. Every time I'm confronted with one of these, I find myself even more astonished by how smart Dozer was. It is a real shame what happened. At this point, I'm not sure that Rain is going to be able to revive him. It's over a week, and they'll be leaving any day now. Uh-huh, Starvo said, not really caring. Just push it harder, Carten yelled down. Give it a little kick. Starvo snorted, then moved to help Jameis. Together, they managed to coax the barely-aware creature off the steps though it took longer than it should have. Their way finally clear, they climbed to join the others. In addition to Carten, their team for this mission included five other awakened, the flamboyant merchant Mlem, Lynn Draves, the arena-fighting noblewoman, Tahir, the archer-turned-healer, Haynes, the actual archer, and Val the Azarian fool who was supposedly the son of Lightbreaker. An odd bunch, Starvo chuckled to himself, ignoring the looks this got him. Reminds me of my glory days. Is everyone ready? Jameis asked. We still have ten minutes until we agreed to start, but 
I see no reason to delay now that we're all here. Yes, we're ready, Lynn said. Let's get this damn thing. Getting a bit personal, eh? Starvo asked, grinning at her. Depths, yes, Lynn said, planting her staff hard on the top of the wall. It's mocking us. Calm down, Lynn, said Haynes. We don't even know if it's actually a monster that's taking the torches. It's not like anyone's been attacked. It's a monster, all right, Starvo said. Fire eater, no doubt about it. Oh? Val asked, raising a sceptical eyebrow. And you've fought one, have you? No, but I know all the same, Starvo replied, narrowing his eyes. I've been around, kid. Sadir, Fel Sedanis, Shugara, Hells, all over Belost and Acrustia both. Too many cities to name. I've been doing this since before any of you were clawing, so you should listen when I talk. Val snorted. Kid, huh? Fine, old man. Glad to have you with us, he grinned. What changed anyway? You've never seemed interested in missions before. Aren't you supposed to be retired? Maybe I got sick of watching children make a mess of the pie, Starvo said, grinning back. As amusing as all of this banter is, don't we have a job to do? Mlem asked, gesturing over the edge of the wall. That's right, Lynn said. Enough chit-chat. How are we doing this? Haynes asked. Carton is in the front with Lynn, Jameis said, straightening his hat. Starvo and Mlem are both swordsmen, more or less, so they can watch the flanks. The rest of us will provide ranged support. The number one priority is to keep Tahir safe. Always protect the healer. That said, with both Carten and I here, I wouldn't expect any difficulties. Haynes shook his head. That's not what I meant. Though I agree with the formation, I want to know how we're planning to lure it out. I have a few ideas, said Starvo, interrupting James. First, I've got some magic juice, courtesy of our resident lunatics. Could you be more specific? Lynn asked. Myth and reason, Starvo said with a grin. No, I got that, Lynn said, shaking her head. Though it's troubling that there could have been confusion on that part. I mean the magic juice. What's it supposed to do? Starvo raised his hands, wiggling his fingers mysteriously. It'll burn with the primal sense. Of the true frame. And that means... Mlem said, gesturing with an open hand. Starvo snorted, lowering his hands. Fuck all! It's just more of their typical tripe. From the smell, it's like the liquid used to make ever-torches. I couldn't get them to explain what makes it different, other than it burns hotter. Hopefully it should attract the fire-eater, regardless of how it was made, Jameis said. 
We're authorized to go as far as the end of the second chasm, but I'd much prefer to lure it to us. Second chasm doesn't sound so bad, Jameis, Carten said. I could use a little fun in the dark. And I could use a damn fire-eater scale hat, said Lynn. Starvo snorted, then shook his head. I've got another idea too, he nodded at Val. Just might be a little bit dangerous for the invisible kid over here. Val frowned. If you mean having me lie in wait under a fire while the rest of you leave, I already thought of that. It's why I'm here, and I'm fine with it as long as the rest of you don't go far. I'm not getting any more of these today, thank you. He gestured to the scars adorning his face. We still don't know what level it is. What? Carten gasped, staring at Val like he'd grown a second head. Caution? From you? Are you sick? Oh, shut up, Val said. I'm not afraid of a little risk. When there's something to be gained, that doesn't make me suicidal. Jameis nodded. We'll find a good spot to hide nearby when we try the liquid fire. Mm, we just need you to be our lookout. We still don't know how it extinguishes the flames. Val shrugged. Works for me. Me too, Lynn said. Come on, let's go. Without waiting for confirmation, she walked to the edge and began descending one of the ropes hanging there. Starvo quirked a smile. Kids today, no patience. Jameis sighed, rubbing at his eyes. Float me down, Jameis, Carten said. No, Carten, I'm not wasting the manor. You can use the ropes like everyone else. Or you could just jump. As long as you land on your head, you should remain undamaged. Starvo chuckled, moving to the edge as the pair continued to argue. He swung his legs over and lowered himself hand over hand until he reached the chasm floor. Old instincts drove him to rise quickly from his crouch, scanning the surroundings for danger. He relaxed after a moment, seeing nothing moving by the dim light of the sun from above. There were a few torches burning at the base of the wall, pushing back the shadows. Lynn had moved further away down the crack and seeing this, Starvo hurried after her. Damn fool, girl! You never go off on your own like that, even if everyone looks safe. Always pairs of two, unless you've got eyes in the back of your head, or you're a damn silver plate. It's around, Lynn said as he approached, removing her glove, then reaching into a niche in the chasm wall. The stone is still warm. Starvo came to a stop beside her watching for danger and inspecting the niche with one eye. It had been hacked roughly into the stone, likely an attempt to protect a torch from the fire-eater. Clearly it hadn't worked. Either the fire-eater's head was small enough to fit through the opening, or it was stealing the torches by some other means. Starvo glanced back at the earthen fortifications, narrowing his eyes. The torches at the base weren't protected like this one, yet they hadn't been consumed. Neither had the ones atop it, near where the unawakened sentries were standing. So, it doesn't like people, eh? He said, rubbing at his goatee. Hmm? 
Lin asked, looking at him. The Fire Eater girl, Starbo pointed. It left those torches alone. Only thing that's different is the people. The young noblewoman sighed. It will get them eventually. It's only a matter of time. Look away for one second and... She snapped her fingers. Gone, just like that. Has it ever left the chasm? Mlem asked, approaching with the others. We've lost a few torches in the camp. No, Lin said. Those were all mistakes. Some regular torches got mixed in with the ever torches in the storeroom. I had a reason to check each one. You're really invested in this, aren't you? Lin snorted. Rain says it's my white whale, whatever that's supposed to mean. Is he from the coast? No idea, said Tahir, shaking his head. Whatever, Lin said, shrugging. She pointed with her staff and began walking. Let's check the rest of them. Slow down, Lin, Mlem said. We should go in formation. There is no need to be reckless. It's safe enough at this time of day. Lin said, slowing. I've come down here more times than the rest of you combined, and I'm not going to wander off like a moron. It will be fine as long as everyone stays in sight of each other. Now come on. Who cleared it this morning anyway? Starvo asked. Amelia? Rain, actually, Jameis said. Oh? Val asked. He called out of his hole. For something other than a council meeting. And I missed it? He did, Mlem said, stroking his moustache. He seems to be doing better these past few days. My gut says he's making some progress on his soul at last. Apart from that, his strength is finally beginning to feel appropriate for his level. He chuckled. Those accolades have gone a long way. Obvious. Given the value. Jameis looked like he wanted to say something, but before he could, a scraping sound made everyone freeze. Sepultra, aunt, Lynn said, holding her staff at the ready. Sounds like just one. Who wants it? I've got this one, Starvo said, drawing his sword and stepping forward, warily scanning the bend in front of them. No such thing as one ant. Stay back and let me handle it. I need to test out my new foot. To his surprise, Jameis didn't object. Everyone in Ascension knew what he was capable of by now. More or less. Yet they still treated him like he was old and infirm. Here we go. He raised his sword above his head into a single-hand high guard from Sparrow. He pushed his other hand forward, defying the cutter, which would have him hold it out to the side. The ant clattered into view, rounding a bend in the chasm. The hair on Starvo's neck rose as the monster's aggression settled onto him. It was a sense familiar to any seasoned adventurer. Starvo grinned. It made him feel alive. The ant increased its pace, opening its grasping mandibles wide. He waited, motionless, hearing his companions shift behind him. The only thing to be worried about with sepulturants was the acid spit they used after being wounded. He wouldn't give it the chance. He held on just a moment more, then acted. Ice bolt! 
With not even a wisp of frost for warning, the projectile flew straight between the ant's pincers, striking for its sensitive insides. Chasing the shard of ice, Starvo whirled to the side, pivoting on his good foot as he followed the instinctive guidance of the cutter. Simultaneously, he triggered the simplest skill in the swordplay tree. Slosh! There was no fancy effect to show that the skill had done anything, but the depth of the gouge left in the ant's neck was proof enough of its efficiency. Slash wasn't complicated. It simply enhanced any slicing motion. Sparrow, of course, was full of them. Light cut. The weight vanished from Starvo's blade in the midst of the follow-through, and the sword burst alive with an even glow. Whipping his arm back and twisting his hand to bring the edge around, he struck the ant again, cutting even deeper along the same side. One of its mandibles fell away, sheared off neatly by the blade. A durability enchantment didn't boost damage, but it damn sure helped with keeping the edge razor sharp. The ant staggered, its movements sluggish as it tried to turn after him. Ice affinity had once more proven its worth. Thanks to the passive boost, the 10 mana he'd spent on Ice Vault would have dealt around 200 cold damage, easily enough to overcome the resistance of a level 4 creature. Combined with the two brutal sword strikes, it was almost dead, barely two seconds into the fight. Kicking off with his new foot, Starvo dashed forward in a lunge, plunging his blade deep into the giant ant's compound eye. Unfortunately, this springy metal had launched him with more force than he'd expected. He overbalanced, crashing into the monster's side as the system's chime announced its death. Your group has defeated a level 4 sepulcher ant. Your contribution was 99%. You are capped. No experience is gained. With agility born of long practice, he managed to ride the collapsing ant to the ground, rather than crumple into an undignified heap. Quickly, he pushed himself back to his feet, pulling away from the rapidly growing mess that he'd made of his opponent. Damn foot, he thought to himself. Not for anything even like the first time. His muscles trembled as he reset his stance, and he clenched his jaw, forcing them to obey. I hate being old. Abruptly, there was a sound, scratches. He cocked his head, listening hard. Oh, wow. Okay, Lin said. Remind me not to piss off Grandpa. Starvo let himself relax, seeing that Jameis was looking in the correct direction. He straightened to face Lin, smiling. What about me gave you the impression that I'd ever want kids? There was a purple-blue flash from behind him, then a sound like a melon falling from a great height. Starvo grinned as Lin jumped in surprise. Nice work, apprentice, he said, looking over his shoulder. One arcane bolt had been all it took to finish the second ant, which had just come around the corner. Starvo frowned, then coughed, removing the rag from his pouch. Listen up, amateurs! he said, using it to wipe the ant brains from his sword. Ants are pack monsters, even more so than wolves or spiders. When you see one, always be ready for more. I say let him come, Carton said, stomping toward the remains of the second ant. He clanged his shields together a few times in challenge, but nothing further rounded the bend. Only two, huh. 
We're not here to fight ants, Carten, James said, laying a hand on Starvo's shoulder. Nor are we here to give lectures. Come along, everyone. Let's get in formation and sweep through to the end. Once we've checked all the torches, we can try Starvo's plan. What about this thing? Mlem asked, nodding to where the nearer of the two ants. Rule 21. You and your rules, Lynn said, moving to take a position next to Carten. No, we are not stopping to loot the bodies. One, yuck, and two, the bounty is worth more. Lynn is correct, Jameis said. If we fail to lure it out, we can salvage what we can on the way back. Oh, very well, Mlem said, moving into position. Starvo took his position and the group began worming their way through the winding chasm. The only other monster they ran into were slimes, which Haynes and Tahir shot from a safe olifactory distance with their bows. Discipline quickly waned, this being not nearly dangerous enough to deter conversation. So, Starvo, Haynes said after a particularly long bout of silence, I know I don't know you that well, but... If you don't mind my asking, why did you take Ice Bolt? Ain't it obvious? Starvo said, raising an eyebrow. Can't see the mountains when you're right in front of your face, kid. There's no call to be rude, Jameis said. Bah, Starvo said. Fine, I took it because I was an impatient dumbass. Jameis sighed. He took it after losing his foot, Haynes. Oh, Haynes said, wincing and looking away. Sorry. Don't be sorry, Starvo said. I don't want your sympathy. It always struck me as rather unfair that the system was so final when it comes to decisions, Mlem said, respec accolades notwithstanding. Did you ever consider purchasing one? Yup, Starvo said. Worked my way from guild to guild, saved up the money, packed my bags, and took a ship all the way to Mensis. Wasn't until I got there that I realized I don't want to respect anymore. Mensis? Tahir asked. Port City, Starvo said, waving a hand. North side of Belos. Not important. Why did you decide you didn't want one? Lynn asked. Rain says a focused build. Rain says, eh? Starbo interrupted. Rain doesn't know shit. He's right, but he's just repeating what I told him. He jerked a thumb at his chest. Yes, a focused build is stronger. If I'd waited to get used to fighting with one leg, I could have maybe stuck with swordplay and done better. Who knows? What I know is that Ice Bolt was enough for me to see the world. At fifteen, I wanted to be a legend. When I lost my foot, that dream died, and it took me five years to find a new one. I realized that with my level, it was already more than enough for what I really wanted. I traveled, I fought, made friends, lost them, made more, then lost them again. Then I retired before something could kill me. Now, I sit around studying the markings of birds and yelling at clouds. There, life story told. Any other questions? 
How did you lose your foot? Val asked. Starvo snorted, looking at him. Donch! Everyone shuddered, including Jameis, who already knew the story. Gods, I hope I never meet. Tahir began. Don't finish that sentence, Mlem said. You know better than that. Well, there's the end, Carten said abruptly, cutting off the conversation as he gestured with a shield. Unless I missed a huge flaming dragon lizard thing somewhere. Looks like it's time for the plan. Starvo heard an exasperated sigh, glaring at him. It isn't a dragon. You can tell by how this isn't. Terkarmark. Westval isn't a smouldering pile of ash and we're not dead. Carten scoffed. Not a dragon dragon, obviously. Jameis, where are we doing this thing? Listen here, beef brains. Starvo snapped before Jameis could respond. Dragons are dragons. Anything that's not a dragon isn't. Maybe our fire eater is a lizard. And maybe it even shoots sparks out of its arse. But that doesn't make it a dragon. You have no idea how much it bothers me when people like you ignore basic taxonomy. I do now, Carton said, grinning. Starvo, Jameis sighed. Not this again, please. As amusing as it was when you had this conversation with Rain, this isn't the time for a reenactment. Starvo turned to him. Jameis, if we do not correct the children, how will they know how stupid they are? Aye, Carten said. Val sighed impatiently. Carten, leave it. There's no point. Can we just get on with the mission? Starvo snorted, nodding at the Ozarian mage. For once, I agree with the kid. We shouldn't be screwing around like this. He flicked his finger towards Jameis and Carten. Even with these two here to guard our dumb asses, this ain't a pleasure stroll. Finally, we're all on the same page, Jameis said. Come on, we'll try to lure near the mineshaft. The walls are nice and open there. The group retraced its steps silently, soon reaching the wide open area where Ascension had first encountered the Crimson Swords. The chasm floor was mostly level, though it slanted toward one end. It would make for a good arena, should they actually manage to attract the beast. On one wall, a solid steel door sealed the entrance to the mineshaft. The old wooden one was lying flat on the ground nearby, smashed half to flinders. Starvo pointed at it. Look, firewood. Jameis nodded. Okay, Haynes, Val, go get the door and bring it over here. Starvo, the juice? Starvo nodded, reaching into a pouch. He pulled out a mid-sized potion bottle filled with a clear liquid. He tossed it to Lynn without warning, laughing as the noblewoman's eyes widened. She dropped her staff and dove for it, but she fumbled the catch. The bottle fell to the stones with a heavy clunk. Damn it, Starvo, Jameis swore. What if that had broken? It's a potion glass, Jameis, Starvo said, still smiling. I helped make it. Myth and reason might be good at alchemistry, but they can't blow glass to save their lives. 
I'd never walk around with something that flammable in my pocket if the bottle was just gonna break easily. You could have warned me, you ass, Lynn said, bending to retrieve the bottle before it rolled away. Starbo waved a hand. Sorry, sorry. Another free lesson for you kids. Always bring your own bottles when you're visiting a chemist. Even if they say the glass is toughened, don't trust their word. Test it by throwing the potion off the floor. Right there in the shop. Ha! The Haynes said as he and Val arrived with the duel, dropping it with a wooden thud. Now what? Lynn pointed at the metal door blocking the mineshaft. Let's clear the tunnel, then everyone can hide in there while Val lights it. Good idea, Carten said. Might be we find a good fight down there. Lynn set the bottle down and the group followed Carten over to the entrance, to the mineshaft. The fight Carten was hoping for didn't happen. Upon undoing the chain and pulling open the metal door, they were greeted by the cheery light of a burning torch on the other side. Well, Lynn said, lowering her staff, that's proof that it's out there with us anyway. Damn it, Carten said, clanging his shields together and the sound echoing down the tunnel. Okay, everyone inside, Val said. I'm going to light the door. Anyone have a spark lighter? Here, Mlem said, reaching into a pocket and tossing Val a silvery object. Thanks, Val said, snagging it out of the air. He walked over to the wooden door, then picked up the bottle and struggled with the metal clasp holding the cork in place. Once he had it free, he poured about half of the liquid out onto the door, then gave them the thumbs up and vanished. I light it once you shut the door, he said, the air shimmering slightly as he spoke. I can't stay invisible all day. I'll yell if it comes, or if the fire goes out. Make sure you stand back when you light it, Starvo said, the pungent smell of the alchemical concoction reaching his nostrils. Toss a rag or something. I don't know how hot that shit's gonna burn. But if it's anything like alchemist's fire, losing your eyebrows will be the best you could hope for. Duh, Val said as Lynn hauled the door closed. Silence fell, everyone holding their breath. About thirty seconds later, there was a whoomp of ignition, audible even through the door, followed immediately by a blood-curdling scream. It wasn't, however, the noise of an idiot setting himself on fire. No human voice had made that noise. And further, it hadn't come through the door. Whatever it was was right on top of them. A cloud of darkness appeared and the torch was snuffed out. Shut! Carten yelled. There was a metallic clang, then another, and then Starvo felt claws digging into his shoulder, even through the leather armor. Before he could yell, the monster was gone, pushing off from him with considerable force. There was another metallic thunk as it struck the door, then a screech of claws on metal as it began attacking the barrier. Starvo clasped a hand to his shoulder, not feeling any blood. Hells, it must have followed us in when we opened the door. Stealthy? Ha! 
Try fucking invisible. He stumbled back in the darkness and bumped into someone. Pushing them away, he carefully slid his sword free of its sheath, then activated light cut. He didn't swing the blade, instead focusing on holding the skill at the ready for as long as possible. By the glow, he finally got a look at the menace that had been plaguing them. Fire Eater, level 13. He barely even noticed the system-given name, as the monster whirled, hissing at the light with rage filling its beady black eyes. It was small for a monster, about twice as large as a house cat, covered in sleek black fur rather than the scales he'd been expecting. Its body was long and low, and it had a rat-like face and a short, stubby tail. That was all he managed to see before his skill ended and the light winked out. But it was enough for him to recognize the creature. God, a cat snake! They do exist! Ah! Lin yelled, and there was the sound of wood striking metal amid the continued scratching of the fire eaters' claws. Lin, get back! Jameis yelled. Starvo, more light! Wordlessly, Starvo obeyed, activating his skill again just in time to see the tip of Lin's staff slam heavily into the creature's back. This didn't seem to do much to it, other than to make it squeak in outrage as it continued its assault on the door. The light faded again, and before he could use light cut a third time, a bluish light filled the tunnel. It was faint, but enough to see by, coming from a glowing stone that Mlem was holding over his head. I've got it, the merchant said. Carton, get up there, Jameis said, the tunnel momentarily brightening as he launched an arcane bolt. He cursed as the magic swerved, drawn into the metal door. Damn fucking thing, worthless, fire-eating rat! Lin had her staff in a two-handed grip and was jabbing at the fire-eater with each word, like she was spear-fishing. Her strikes either missed or did nothing but shave off the tiniest slivers of health. The monster had some level of force resistance, clearly, though not enough to save it from car 10. The big man muscled his way past Starvo, then slammed the edge of his shield viciously into the fire-eater, making it squeak in pain. Ha! he yelled, raising the shield again, but the fire-eater moved like smoke, literally. Starvo lost track of it as it dissipated in the dim light. Shit, Haynes yelled. Where did it go? It's on me, Carten yelled. Gah! Get off me neck! There was a clang of metal on metal, then a thud as Carten crashed into the door. It sprang open, falling off its hinges and flooding the tunnel with daylight. Carten stumbled out, almost flattening Val, who had been hammering on the other side. The fire eater keened with rage as it rushed for the blazing wooden door, moving as a shadowy blur. Upon reaching the flames, it exploded into a literal cloud of roiling smoke, which descended upon the burning wood, smothering it in darkness. Moments later, the cloud cleared, leaving the fire eater standing there alone. The flames were gone entirely, as was the door. The cat snake hopped about furtively, writhing through the air as it looked in every direction. Once it seemed satisfied that the fire was completely gone, its beady gaze returned to the party. It took a step back, then hissed, its fur puffing up in outrage 
That's a fire eater, Val said incredulous. Dark aspect, Starvo snapped, pointing. Stop staring and get your orb on it before it turns to smoke again. Looks like a sin dark monk, Val said, summoning his light and sending it whizzing toward the monster. I have no idea what that is, Starvo said. He smiled as the fire eater hissed at the light, slashing at it with its claws ineffectually. Wisps of smoke formed around it, and its outrage became even louder as it failed to vanish. As I thought, he clapped Val on the back. Keep that damn orb on it, whatever else you do. Everyone out so I can block the tunnel, Jameis commanded. Don't let it get away. Come here, rat! Carten yelled, rushing at the fire eater. It dodged around him with contemptuous ease. Val's lunar orb hot on the chase. The monster had much more difficulty avoiding Lynn, however. Her staff was a blur as she swept it in wide arcs, pushing the creature back. Purple-blue light flashed as Jameis raised an arcane bulwark to block off the mineshaft. I'm using a seeker shot! Haynes shouted. Don't move, Lynn! There was a whip of a bowstring, and the fire eater squeaked as an arrow punched into its side. The agile monster had attempted to dodge, but the skill-guided arrow had found it anyway. The hit did some damage, but the arrow didn't break the monster's skin. Haynes' arrow was followed by another, this one from Tahir. The healer didn't have any archery skills, but he was still a good shot. This time when the monster dodged, it did so much more vigorously, leaping high into the air, likely anticipating another homing missile. Starvo quirked a smile. Mistake. Ice bolt. The best time to strike an agile monster was when it was in mid-air and couldn't dodge. Apparently, the other mages agreed. Val's solar ray struck first, followed swiftly by Starvo's ice shard and then by Jameis's slow-moving arcane bolt. The three hits together took a nasty bite out of the Fire Eater's health, though not as much as Starvo expected. Jameis's hit in particular didn't appear to have done much, despite how much more powerful it should have been. It's arcane resistant, Starvo yelled as the creature landed. He clicked his tongue, watching it dart away. Ice Bolt had done damage, but the slow didn't seem to have had an effect. Shit! Haynes swore, loosing another arrow as the cat snake charged him. His panic shot missed, and he screamed as the monster's needle-like teeth sank into his arm. He dropped his bow, then began punching the fire eater with his other hand. The monster ignored his feeble hits, keeping a bloody grip on the archer's arm as it began shredding his gambeson with its claws. Fortunately, Mlem was already on his way, and the merchant's scimitar proved much more effective in dislodging the fire eater. His strike carved a bloody line into its hide and it howled in agony as it released Haynes's arm. It darted away and Carten tried to stomp it as it ran past him. His armoured boot missed with a heavy thump, followed by a curse. Meanwhile, Tahir had reached Haynes, grabbing the man's shredded arm to use healing word. That was good, but it did mean that both of their archers would be out of the fight for a little while. Watch out! Jameis shouted, but his warning proved unnecessary. Val had already summoned a pane of light before the first word had left Jameis's mouth. The translucent barrier stopped the fire eater's lunge for his neck, 
as if it were made of brick. There was a sizzling sound as the monster ricocheted away, and it took Starbo a moment to realize that it was its dark aspect blood reacting with the opposing element of the shield. He tracked it with his arm, then cursed as Carten got in the way just as he was about to launch his magic. Dodging Carten yet again, the Fire Eater went for Lin next. The noblewoman was ready, and she whipped her staff in a graceful arc, catching it in the ribs and sending it tumbling. It managed to regain its footing just in time to dodge another arcane bolt from Jameis, but Val nailed it with a solar ray moments later. The light aspect spell was instantaneous, and the Fire Eater clearly had no resistance, perhaps even a vulnerability. Its health was getting quite low now. Wisps of black smoke formed around it again, and it screamed in frustration at the lunar orb, which was still chasing after it like an enormous firefly. Its magic thwarted, it scampered away by more physical means, slipping through Carten's legs as it made for the narrower section of the crack to the north. Apparently, that last hit had been enough for it to decide that it was done with this fight. Gods damn it! Carten swore, spinning to charge after it. Starvo snorted, amused, launching another ice bolt. His amusement turned to shared annoyance as the fire eater swerved out of the way. Kill it before it gets away! Lin screamed, chasing after Carten. Amazingly, it looked like the armoured turtle was the fastest runner of the two. Starbo didn't even bother trying to follow. New foot or not, he'd never be able to catch up. With a sudden pop, Mlem appeared from nowhere, directly in the monster's path. Starbo blinked. He'd clearly missed the flight of the skipping stone in the chaos. The fire eater's claws skittered across the stone as he tried to arrest its momentum, succeeding only to be immediately blindsided by a vicious shield bash. Take that, you shit! Carten bellowed triumphantly as the monster soared through the air. It struck the chasm wall with a wet thump, leaving a smear of dark blood as it began to fall. Starbo aimed quickly, loosing an ice bolt for where he predicted it would land. His magic struck true, the frozen shard punching deep into the injured creature before shattering. Lin arrived moments later, bringing her staff down with both hands on the fire eater's back. There was a crunch of breaking bone, and its health bar, already almost empty, flickered out of existence. Your group has defeated a level 13 fire eater. Your contribution was 18%. You are capped. No experience is granted. Lin screamed in wordless triumph, and Starvo smiled glancing at Haynes in time to see the archer relaxing the tension from his bow. There was blood on his sleeve and his armor was shredded, but there was no pain in his expression. Tahir was standing nearby, looking unconcerned, having reclaimed his bow as well. Starvo's smile widened, and he rolled his neck as he slipped his sword back into its sheath. Eh, not bad. For a bunch of kids. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, I know that there's been some delays and things in the release of chapters. I am making my way to catch up, uh, but just wanted to let you guys know I have started an acting course and I have moved to the UK and there's like a lot of stuff kind of going on in my life at the moment, which is why there's been um, delays and things for the releases. But I do promise that I will catch up. And this first chapter is, 
I guess my way of saying I will catch up. Thanks for listening, guys.